It's Thursday, October 21st. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, the one and only Ron Gross. Thanks for being here. Wow, that's quite an intro. I hope I live up to it. Great to be I, here, always. I hope you live up to it. Otherwise, I'm going to go get the other Ron Gross. <laughs> um, <laughs> Good luck with that. There's a lot going on today. Earnings season starting to heat up. We're going to hit Tesla on Motley Fool Money tomorrow, <coughs> so tune in for that. But today, we've got Big Blue. We're going to start with Big Shoe. Third, <laughs> third quarter profits for Crocs, much higher than expected. Revenue beat as well. They raised fiscal uh, year guidance. Shares of Crocs up more than 8% today. Forget it's about Crocs, today. and they are Forget about it. today. How about over the last five years, up 1,800%? That's a shoe company for you, man. That's, that's, that is some unbelievable um, performance. And this quarter was strong as well. They beat expectation. Demands remain strong. Now, again, as we always talk with retailers, they're anniversarying a tough Q3 from last year. Results are solid, but they look artificially strong because of last year. So take that into account when I go through some of the metrics. Uh, not surprisingly, we're hearing this across the board. Business was impacted by Vietnamese factory closures, widespread disruption in the global supply chain. Now, the CEO said they are, quote, managing through the supply chain disruptions to mitigate the impact on our business. Close quote. They're going to move production to China, Indonesia, Bosnia. They avoided port delays on the U.S. West Coast by switching to East Coast docks. Um, and so they're, they're doing the best to manage through a difficult time. Let me share some of those operating metrics with you. Revenue up 73%. Direct-to-consumer up 60%. Digital sales up 69%. That accounts for now 37% of total sales. Really impressive margins. Gross margins of 64%. Uh, operating margins of 32% for a shoe company. That, that, that's, those are pretty good numbers. And uh, adjusted earnings per share up 160%. Even if you look back towards uh, previous years um, and take out the kind of the COVID one-time situation, results still looked really strong. As you mentioned, they raised guidance for the full year. They now expect 2020 revenues to grow over 20% from 2021. Uh, so. Again, the, the outlook looks bright. They're, they're introducing a new bio-based product. It's really interesting, using a material sourced from waste and byproducts from other industries. I don't like the term waste and byproducts when it relates to my clothing, <laughs> but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they know what they're doing. Um, and uh, the, the real strong operating results and the strong management really continues here. Yeah, clearly they they need to put the branding people on on that new product. But you know, you you mentioned um, the comments from Andrew Reese, the the CEO, in terms of how they're managing the global supply chain issues, and that's every CEO is going to be asked about that this earnings season. And you know, look, he's in year five of being in the corner office, and to this point, you gotta. Um, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. They certainly seem like it, they are backing up the talk with actual results. Agreed. Now, you have we have to say what they make is relatively easy to move from <coughs> factory to factory to factory. That cross light technology, that's that soft shock absorbing foam resin that kind of makes up uh, that that the. the the clog that they're most known for, you can move that to China relatively easy. You can't do that with really high-tech companies so easily. So they happen to be benefiting from the fact that they make a 
a product that is relatively easy to make. And, you know, kudos to them for making the changes that, that need to be done to preserve those margins. You know, there's expenses with shifting production. There's expenses associated with going to East Coast docks instead of West Coast docks. But if you can maintain the margins they're maintaining, even with those added expenses, that's pretty impressive. Shares of IBM are down 8% today after a mixed third quarter report. Their revenue was light in the global services division and the cloud and cognitive software division. And the problem is that those are IBM's two biggest divisions. <laughs> well, Chris, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was an uninspiring report. Um, investors waiting for the managed infrastructure business to be spun off in November. But this report, mm, gosh, revenue up like fractionally, basically flat. And as you said, cloud and cognitive software up 3%. That's relatively anemic. Um, there was strength in cloud and data platforms that was offset by their transaction processing business. Revenue from the acquired Red Hat business, which is going to be really important to their cloud business going forward, was up 17%. So you can hang your hat, no pun intended, on, on that number. That's not too shabby. Their global business business services, which is kind of everything else that they do, kind of was up about 12% with consulting up 17%. So that's actually surprisingly strong to, to me. Um, if you normalize the business and strip out the part of the business that is going to be spun off, you get revenue up about 2.5%. Again, rather uninspiring. The new business, by the way, is going to be called Kindrill with a K and a K-Y-N-D-R-Y-L. And I know you're wondering where that name comes from, Chris. And I'll tell you, it's derived from the words kinship and tendril to get Kindrill. And I know we love to make fun of these names from time to time. That's, that's, that's one just as wonky as any other I've heard. Um, you know, their medium term objectives for their business going forward, medium single digit revenue growth. Boy, that's not that exciting, guys. Um, so I don't think there's a lot to love here. Um, balance sheet's okay. They are still producing fair amounts of free cash flow that they can use to reinvest in the business. Uh, let's see what happens when they spin off Kindrel in November. Um, shares are awfully cheap at 12 to 13 times earnings, but they kind of should be there because the business you know, results and, and the earnings growth are relatively uninspiring. But let's, let's keep an eye after the spinoff. Okay, first of all, Kindrel is a name that is inviting people to make fun of it. So it would be rude not to accept. Exactly. Um, especially when you offer up that type of definition. I'm sure the people who came up with that name and that definition are very proud of what they've accomplished. I'm sure. There was a, probably many meetings with PowerPoint presentations. and. Yeah, but there is a zero chance that the people of Crocs who need help with their branding are going to call the people at IBM who came up with Kindrel. That's um, fair. This is a stock that has basically treaded water for the last five years. You look at the dividend yield of 5%, like is that, how high is the, is the dividend of IBM on the list of reasons to buy this stock? Because if you're of a certain age, if you're of a certain point in your investing life, I can see making the case for keeping shares of IBM that you already have. But other than that, it's hard to put IBM on the list of blue chip stocks to buy if you're moving into that part of your investing life. Yeah, that's fair. The 4.6%, as you said, 5% um, dividend, that's pretty enticing. And it's probably relatively safe because the company, company does continue to generate fair amounts of free cash flow. Um, 
you always have to think of total return. You don't want to buy a stock and just get the 4.6% return, but yet the stock actually goes down and you lose money on that. You, so you, you want them to go hand in hand. You want to buy a company that you think has nice growth prospects for the future from a stock perspective. And then if you also get a juicy dividend at the same time, all the better. So always make a total return decision. Before we get to what I know listeners are anxious for, which is um, Halloween candy, overrated and underrated, uh, you were one of the first people I thought of when I read the story yesterday from uh, in The Verge about Facebook going with a new name. And I'm, I'm assuming that this is happening. Facebook hasn't denied it. I, I can see the case for it. But you were one of the first people that, when I read that story, I thought, I wonder what Ron Gross thinks about this. So what, what do you think about this? I don't have a problem with them trying to change their name to reflect where they're going, which is this whole concept of the metaverse, this kind of online reality world we're all going to live in that includes Facebook, it includes Instagram, it includes WhatsApp, and, and a lot of other kind of digital avatars and things. So if, if, they're, if they don't want to be thought of as just Facebook the app, I think that's okay. I think if they're trying to do this to rebrand, to get out of some of the controversies that have happened either from regulators or the whistleblower, I don't think a name change does that. Those problems don't go away just because you changed your name. Um, so if, if that's their primary, primary motivation, I would caution against it. Uh, one thing I didn't like, like Alphabet's a good example. When Google changed its parent company name to Alphabet, Google kept the ticker symbol G-O-G. So that's really confusing because people still call the company Google because that's the stock, but it's really Alphabet. So, you know, I could see that maybe they didn't change Goog as the ticker because of this continuity and investing and trading perspective. They didn't want to confuse people. But I think it is confusing when your ticker references an old name and your parent company has a different name. So I don't know if I would keep FB if they change um, the, the name to whatever it happens to be. But I would I would caution management, make the change for, for good reasons, not to try to sweep some of the controversial things under the rug. And part of what Google did when they changed the name of the parent company to Alphabet was they introduced a new reporting structure. They provided more clarity to Wall Street analysts. I think part of the reason that rebrand went over as well as it did is because of that very fact that analysts thought, okay, now we're going to get some greater insight into the business. You know, that's an opportunity for Facebook if they want to go that route. Yes, if if and if that's necessary, if you know, Alphabet has all these kind of little little bets they make all over the place. They're you know trying to think of the next amazing thing, and that's a separate division, and they had different reporting structures. If Facebook wants to make changes to the way their reporting structure, their organizational structure looks, then they can do that, in, as you say, in conjunction with a name change. I don't know if that's a primary motivation or not. I, I tend to think there's something going on here with, in terms of their brand. Um, and so I'm not sure that's the best reason to change a name. Years ago, and I don't remember exactly which year it was, but I know it was at least five years ago, <laughs> we were sitting in the studio at Full Headquarters. We were doing Motley Full Money. We were talking about Halloween candy. And I remember looking at you to my left, <laughs> and you were talking about Milky Way being overrated. And I had never really thought about it. Like to me, Milky Way was one of those candies. It's like, that's fine. That's, you know, that's like, uh, you know, that's like the IBM of candies. Maybe even better. Maybe it's more like a, just like an old reliable. Maybe it's like the Johnson & Johnson of candies. And right. by the time you got done laying out your case 
which I, I, I will just say, you laid out the case for why Milky Way is overrated with the even keel that listeners have come to expect from you when you are talking about stocks. You don't get emotional about <laughs> stocks. You didn't get emotional about Milky Way. You just sort of categorically laid out the case for why it's overrated. And by the time you finished, I thought, oh my God, I don't think I'm ever going to eat another one of those things in my life. So funny. Thank you for remembering. I don't recall my exact analysis, but I think it was basically a mediocre Snickers without, uh, yeah. without the, the goodness of a Snickers. And I, don't, I just don't think the world needs that. Yeah, and and when you get done, it was no longer the Johnson and Johnson of candies. It was it was more. I don't know. It was it was like the WeWork of candies or something. Where, um, where are you now in 2021 with uh, overrated and underrated Halloween candy? I know I'm going to get some mail or some tweets here, but it, it's Kit Kat. And I'm sorry, folks, you don't go to your local CVS, head up to the counter to pay, and start searching the candy bars for a Kit Kat. You're just not doing that, and you're not doing that because it's not that good. And so it's, I know it's a big brand name and I know everyone knows what it is, but I just don't think people are searching out the Kit Kat. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's, yeah, we might. Strong to the know. hoop? Too strong there? <laughs> no, no, that's fine. I love the strong take. Marketfoolery at fool.com. Go ahead and drop us an email. We'll forward it on to Ron, um, all the Kit Kat fans out there. What about uh, underrated? Underrated solely because it's new is the Reese's Peanut Brittle flavored cups. Peanut brittle flavored cream wrapped around crunchy peanut butter. That sounds intriguing to me. Um, and I, it's seasonal, but I wonder if it, it sticks around even after the holidays. How did I completely miss this? Is this, this is in stores right now? It's, yeah, I think it is actually in stores right now. Yes. Now, let's not take away from the undisputed king of all chocolate candy bars, which is Take Five. I'll, I'll say that forever. That's clearly the best, but it's not neither overrated nor underrated. I, it's, it doesn't get enough attention, um, but we got to wrap up the show because there's a CVS a few blocks from me, and I'm 100% walking over there to find this new thing you're talking about. Right. Ron Gross, thanks for being here. Thanks, Chris. A lot of fun. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Fuller. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.